Blog Talk Radio. Wow, it's challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Well, good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. If you were here, I know I say this every week, but the people that are here can verify. Was the food amazing today? Yeah, it was really kind of crazy. It was just a cornucopia of unbelievable up in here. Awesomeness. Um, So if you are in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, uh, we meet at 5 o'clock and we have fellowship. We hang out. It's really, really super nice. And then we have good food, and we laugh and swap recipes or all kinds of stuff, and then uh, then we get started here. So, And then we have a very vibrant Q&A after, and then we have prayer and music. So it's a fun thing. It's an awesome thing to be a part of. So if you're in, the, in this area, feel free to join us. Contact me through theninjapastor.com under the About or Contact Me, and that's how you get a hold of us. So uh, the title of today's message is, Doesn't God Want Me to Be Rich?, But before we get to that, I want to say um, we want to ask for prayer for certain things. For those of you across the country, we want you to uh, be praying for the family of Lavoie Fenicum. Tomorrow's show, The Collision of Faith and Politics, will be on 4 o'clock. We had a series of crazy things. We had Mark Herr in at our home uh, from the Center of Self-Governance, centerforselfgovernance.com. We had Level 4 training and Level 2 training, I think, down in for Delaware and Level 4 training in Camden, Delaware. It was phenomenal. Mark does a phenomenal job. And uh, during that time, uh, we also knew that Burns, Oregon, was hosting two packed-out classes for Level 1 for the Center for Self-Governance. And during that time, a fellow called up to register. He said, I want to I register for the Center for Self-Governance. I need to learn the right thing to do and the right way to do it. Uh, as it relates to gaining back our republic, keeping our republic. So she talked to him, Michelle Perkins talked to him as she was signing him up. And sure enough, asked what his name was, Mr. Ed Snipes, 72-year-old gentleman, retired firefighter and current farmer and rancher, all-around awesome dude. And uh, so she said, so I guess you've heard about what went on. She said, he said, heard about, I was in the convoy. I was right ahead of the, I was in the vehicle ahead. And so, sadly, uh, you know, he knew Lavoie Finnecum real well. And he knows the, Am- the, the the Bundy family and the Hams, and he knew exactly what happened. So it was an exclusive interview. It's the only, I'm the only person he's talked to in, in the media, I guess. I don't know that you would call me media, but. Uh, so we did an exclusive interview, and it was last second. Uh, we finished around, I guess it was around midnight, wasn't it? It was just sort of a fluky thing. But oddly enough, we had over 200,000 people listen with less than, I think, 17 to 20 minutes of notice. So we have, we've got uh, Big Don back there. He was listening. I saw him logged in. And, uh, uh, you know, by uh, chat, it was really kind of cool. Uh, God bless you in Ohio. Thank you for joining us. We love having you listen. Um we uh, it was a real privilege to talk to this man, and so tomorrow we have a lot of requests. Tomorrow we're going to play that interview uninterrupted. Your mind will be blown. Do not believe what the press is telling you, or quite frankly, not telling you. An American citizen was shot and killed 
in a desolate part of Oregon. And the story that's out is an absolute lie. And we know lots of witnesses. If you go to my website, uh, go to the blog section, you can hear the audio of a girl that's now in hiding. We talk about her on the interview that you'll hear tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, The Collision of Faith and Politics, right here on this channel. Uh, and there'll be information posted on um, theninjapastor.com. We'll do a blog post that'll give all the short links and all that stuff. But it's kind of heartbreaking. At the same time, you talk to Mr. Snipes, you get a real feeling for how marginalized these people were. You've heard of hands up, don't shoot. Uh, that doesn't seem to apply to white Christian ranchers. And all this talk about uh, armed takeover and hostile and this, that, and the other, it's simply not true. It's simply not true. And you're going to hear details that you will only hear in that interview because they're not letting anybody else. You know, have you ever heard of someone being held without bail for something other than murder or kidnapping or rape? Held without bail. But no bail set for any of these men or for the woman. No bail. The reason for that is they don't want them to have access to the media. And they want to scare the remainders that are there. They want to scare them out of talking. So you're going to hear stuff tomorrow that is an absolute exclusive, and you're going to hear it from a gentleman who, quite honestly, we'd be proud to have among us. And he's invited me to come to his house for dinner and coffee, and I'm going to go. Why not? So we want to pray for the family of Lavoy Finnicum. God rest his soul, father of a, a Mormon father of uh, over 50 foster kids, 11 of his own. Uh, just absolutely a, a grand human being and rancher and friend. Uh, he did not say, by the way, that uh, he wouldn't be taken alive. That's not what he said. That was an absolute lie on the part of the media and the government and all of those things. It was an absolute lie. That's not the context of what he said. And you're going to hear what the context of what he said was. You're also going to hear that not only did Lavoy Finnicum not reach for a gun, that car was filled full of bullets, and that's why Lavoy Finnicum hit the gas pedal and drove into a snowbank and then climbed out the one door that would open to run away from the vehicle to say, if it's me you want, just shoot me. So that's the reality of it. So we, you know, we, we want you to know the truth, and we're going to get the truth out. We want to also pray for Ammon Bundy and Ryan Bundy. Ryan was shot in the vehicle. Ryan was not out of the vehicle. No one from the vehicle was shooting. You heard them say that they found two 223s, which is AR-15, and they found a revolver and another pistol, and then Ammon Bundy had a 9mm uh, semi-automatic on him. Guess what Ammon Bundy does not carry? A 9mm handgun. <clears throat> and he certainly doesn't carry it in his front pocket. It's just, but see, the regular America, they don't know. They don't, they don't know ranchers. They're marginalized. They think, wow, you have 6,000 acres. We're supposed to worry about you. You own 6,000 acres. Uh, we're going to explain what that's all about. We're going to help you understand what that's all about uh, and what this whole thing happened. So on the website, the ninjapastor.com, you'll also see a couple blog posts to go. I actually put the entire timeline the whole timeline of what happened all the way back to the stirring up of this. And you're going to be appalled. You're absolutely going to be appalled. But we want to pray for Ammon Bundy and Ryan Bundy uh, and for their families because now they all work on the ranch, the Bundy Ranch, and they're not there. You say, well, you know, you take over a federal building, that's what you get. You take over a federal place, you got to expect some trouble. Well, that's not what happened either. Anyway, there's there's just details there you just you won't believe, but you'll hear it and you'll understand it and then you'll believe it and then you'll really be mad. So we want to pray for the Hammond family, Steve and Dwight Hammond. Mr. Dwight Hammond's in his seventies, Steve is in his forties. Good members of the community. You'll hear about them, what they're really all about tomorrow. Um you're gonna you're gonna get a real sense for what this what this is all about. These people, how they have been abused by the federal government. And quite frankly, they expected the American people to hear their plight and to respond. 
the thing is, is they didn't know the language of liberty. They didn't know, they, they weren't using the right language for not only America to understand, but also the community around them. And so now Center for Self-Governance is on the ground teaching them, and they're excited and they're fired up. They're grieving, but they're excited and they're fired up. So let's pray for the Hammond family. Also, my buddy Chris Cahalan, I'll get the dates. I don't, I don't have them right with me. Um, he is very sick. He had the Whipple procedure, and unfortunately, he is really struggling. Uh, he's in terrible, terrible pain, and but he would like to go see his father. So his father lives in Fort Myers, Florida, so we're trying to find. Uh, they live in a little apartment, and, uh, you know, obviously with him being as sick as they are, they want to keep the family together as much as possible. So if you, anybody in our audience knows of anybody that has a place in Fort Myers, Florida, that could accommodate two adults, and uh, three children, three extraordinarily well-behaved children. Um, the adults aren't that well-behaved, but the children are really well-behaved. Um, you know, that would be awesome. That would be a super, super thing. Um, <clears throat> so we want to pray for his recovery, too, because it's not going as well as we'd hoped. It was really going good at first, and then it, we, we've just we've, we've hit some roadblocks. My buddy Eric, uh, also fighting cancer, we pray for him. And then a man named Joe. Uh, he actually talked on the telephone today, which is pretty amazing. So we're excited about that. He's in rehab, and we're just we're very excited about that. That's good news. We also want to pray for the Iowa caucuses, folks. This is serious business. You know, you look at the charade, the embarrassing mess that's going on, and you look at the how the press. You know, if it if it bleeds, if it bleeds, it leads. Right? That's the old saying in journalism. But the fact of the matter is, is they're not telling the truth. There is no fair and balanced at all in media right now. Uh, so the fact of the matter is, you have to really self-educate. You have to. You might think, well, that's in Iowa. That doesn't matter to me. Why would that matter to me? Well, it absolutely should matter to you. It absolutely should matter because really, uh, our presidential candidate's probably going to be selected there and there in New Hampshire at the very least. So it's important stuff. I always say, find the. America's tearing each other apart. If you listen to an archive that was last week or week before, I talked about how Americans are tearing each other up. Maybe it was last week, I think it was. Um, and uh, and then we talked about guns. So you can listen to those. Those are all free. Also, we're on iTunes as well. So so the Iowa caucuses. So today, just for fun, I thought it would be fun to uh, – hello to upstate New York, by the way. Good to have you with us again. The blessing, Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. You see, when we think of God, we think of the most powerful and richest being in the entire universe. But do you know that our Lord Jesus was actually born into a poor working family? They would have been described as the working poor. We know this from the offering his mother Mary brought to the temple after Yeshua was born, according to the law for purification. I'll tell you a little bit about that. It's, you know, people a lot of times want to de-Jew the Bible. They want to de-Hebrew the Bible. But the fact of the matter is, is it's critically important to understand that because you won't understand why things happened and how they happened and the sequence they happened. It won't make sense to you until you understand those things. And then once they do, once you know those things, it opens Scripture up to you. It's, it's quite amazing. So Luke 2, 22 through 24, she brought, she, we, we know this from the passage. I'll read it to you. But she brought a pair of turtle doves or young pigeons, uh, which was the only type of offering that poor people could give. And you were very restricted as to what you could give. And if you were poor, that's what you gave. Here's the scripture. When the time came for the purification according to the Torah of Moshe, in other words, the Torah of Moses, they took him up to Yerushalayim to present him to Adonai as it is written in the Torah of Adonai. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to Adonai. And also to offer sacrifice, offer a sacrifice of a pair of doves or two young pigeons as required by the law of the Torah of Adonai. That's Luke 22 through 24. Now, lest you think that I'm just going to quote from the New Testament, um, the Old Testament and the New Testament are in complete agreement on this. Leviticus 12:6. When the days of her purification are over, whether for a son or for a daughter, she is to bring a lamb in its first year for a burnt offering. 
and a young pigeon or dove for a sin offering to the entrance of the tent of meeting to the Kohen. He will offer it before Adonai and make atonement for her. Thus she will be purified from her discharge of blood. Such is the law for a woman who gives birth, whether to a boy or to a girl. And verse 8, if she can't afford a lamb, she is to take two doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. The Kohen will make atonement for her and she will be clean. That's Leviticus 12, 6 through 8. But I think this is interesting to bring this up. with Now with Yeshua, the baby Jesus, in their lives, Mary and her husband Joseph did not remain poor. And I don't know if many people have thought of this. They didn't remain poor. The family didn't remain poor. Wise men came to Jesus, or Yeshua, with treasures. Matthew 2.11, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Just by their names alone, you know, they were expensive. Frankincense and myrrh, very expensive. Gold, expensive. Yeshua's presence, in fact, brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, two of the most expensive spices, one of the most expensive substances in gold. His birth brought that to his family. The wise men must have come with quite an entourage, too, because we know this from the Bible as well. Little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. Because Bible records tell us how all of Yerushalayim was fearful when the wise men came into the city. It talks about that in Matthew 2, 3. Can you imagine the amount of gold, frankincense, and myrrh that accompany this entourage? Can you imagine this big group of people? Even if they all brought just, you know, because it wasn't just a little tiny group of people. It's a big group of people. This was a big deal. So, you know, all that gold was given, all that frankincense, all that myrrh was given to Yeshua and his parents. These gifts actually financed the family's trip to Egypt. Otherwise, they might not have been able to go. When Yeshua came into their lives, their needs were met abundantly. Now, did they live in a palace? No, but so I, some of you have listened to, want to know about the TV evangelist, aka the pulpit pimp. That's what I call them in my book, the pulpit pimps. TV, TV on the TV. Uh, a lot of times it's late at night too. They come on there. I guess people are suckers late at night. And he says this TV evangelist, the pulpit pimp, says he believes that Yeshua, or as he so affectionately calls him, Jesus was rich when he was on earth. And because of that, he holds further that because Jesus was rich, that proves that he wants us to be rich too. And all you have to do to tap into those riches is to unlock the blessing by sending, and they pick a number, some sort of number, you know, and they'll give you a bunch of numerology, $1,104.32. Don't send us a check for more than that. We don't want you as... We know tens of thousands of you are going to try to write a check for thousands more than that. We know how generous you are, but don't do that because your blessing is in this number because it's, you know, come on. You've all heard it. You've all seen it. It's just disgusting. It's embarrassing. And you know what? Not only is it wrong, but, you know, we have to be honest. That sounds exciting, right? That's exciting to a lot of people. When they have these meetings on television, who is most of the time there? Poor people. Who wants prosperity more than a poor person? Someone who has lack. They certainly don't have abundance. But the question is, is what this evangelist is saying, is this actually what what the Bible says? <coughs> Excuse me. You know, the question is, as I drink me some water, that's how what we call it in Lower Delaware, water. We don't call it water, we call it water. What does Yeshua want for us relative to finance, or more specifically, wealth? That's the key. That's the key. So I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 8, 7 through 9. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence of every kind, and in your love for us, see that you excel in this gift, too. I am not issuing an order. Rather, I am testing the genuineness of your love against the diligence of others. 
For you know how generous our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, was for your sakes. He impoverished himself, even though he was rich, so that he might make you rich by means of his poverty. That's 2 Corinthians 8, 7-9 in the complete Jewish Bible. Here's the crazy thing. You read that first glance. You don't read much deeper. You say, wow, that works out for me. That's good. Jesus came so that I wouldn't be poor. He came so that I would be rich, so that I would never worry or struggle over a bill ever again. Well, maybe there's more to it than that. I'll just see. As with most of the Bible, it is necessary to understand the word, little W, on multiple levels. You can't just read it on the surface. You can't just read part of it. That's why reference Bibles and uh, the uh, Thompson Chain Reference is a phenomenal tool to have because you can see all the different places that this scripture is touching. Uh, and it's really quite exciting, I have to say. It's, it's, it's an exciting thing to have. Um, I have several of them, and I love them. But it's, it's really important if you want the depth of scripture to touch you deep inside, you have to understand it. In order to understand it, you have to understand the depth of scripture. And so it's important to understand the word on multiple levels. And in fairness, a lot of people seek to over and I'll use this term, and I I kind of don't want to because I don't want to make light of the term, but they, they seek to over-spiritualize this passage. And they say that the Messiah impoverished himself by leaving heaven and coming to earth. And, and that's partly true, but there's more to it than that. And the more to it than that is the part that really matters. That this act done in order to break Satan's curse, Yeshua coming to earth, he, he did this to break Satan's curse, his grip on us to be the sacrifice for us. That's what allows us the opportunity to be righteous, to inherit the kingdom, and that this is the riches of which the Bible speaks. This is true, but it's not the whole story. Matthew 6.30, If this is how God clothes grass in the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown in an oven, won't he much more clothe you? What little trust you have so don't be anxious asking, what will we eat? What will we drink? If you come here Sunday night, 5 o'clock, you will not have to worry for at least one day's food, I'll tell you that. But in this, in this case, you don't have to be anxious asking, what will we eat? What will we drink? How will we be clothed? For it is as the pagan, for it is the pagans who set their hearts on all these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them all. His kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's Matthew six thirty through 33 in the complete Jewish Bible. God knows. See, here's the point. God knows what we need. He knows we have needs. He's not, he's not disconnected from us. He cares about us. He, he knows the needs that you have. And I'm not speaking just financially here, not just about wealth. I'm talking about everything. He knows all your needs. The psalmist says he keeps your tears in a bottle, keeps an account of your sorrows. Every little thing matters to God. And God wants to supply those needs. It's, he's, not, he's not ambivalent about you at all. The world would have you to believe that that's the case, but that's not the case at all. John 10.10. 10. Uh, well, you know, let me just say this. I don't like using this word too much just because I think it's overdone. It's now become a cliche in a lot of churches in America. But Yeshua came so that we could have life in abundance. The word abundance, and it's, it's abused. That word has been abused, but I'll, I'll maybe by the end here you'll, you'll have a clear understanding of what I mean. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life, life in its fullest measure, to the full. Till it overflows. Not a little bit, not some in the cup, but all. Over. More than you need. Jesus came to undo the works of the devil. There's no doubt about that. And you know what some of the works of the devil are? Poverty. Lack. Those are tools of the devil. And there's no glorying God in poverty. No, there's not. You know you say, well, what's, what do you mean? Did, did Adam and Eve lack anything. Nothing at all. They had everything. They had everything except for restraint. 
There's no way to support churches. I'm just going to say this. If we don't have people that have a little something in their pocket, if they're not successful in some way financially, if they're not generous with their hearts, how do churches happen? How do missions happen? How does evangelism happen? I'm not here to wealth. I just want to clarify what wealth may be. might not be what we think it is. So if every member of the church is poor and struggling, if you get my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, you see that church on the front, wealthy church, lots of money, very expensive stuff in there, very wealthy people in there, not a bit, not a bit of kingdom business is being done in that place. Look at the church on the back. And that's a little old cold church, cold driveway church in the high hills of West Virginia, the hollers. And there's almost all poor folk in there. And yet, what a difference they've made. But the way they stay open is through the generosity of people. Whether you have much or you have a little. We'll talk more about that in a second. It'll be fun. You'll enjoy it. Philippians 4.19, Moreover, my God will fill every need of yours according to his glorious wealth in union with the Messiah Yeshua. That's Philippians 4.19. Look, the key to understanding God's plan for your riches is understanding what that you've got to know and understand in your heart that God loves us. And he wants us to be cared for. And he wants us to be cared for in a way that doesn't bring sorrow with it. Scripture warns uh, of the dangers Look, there, there's so many warnings of the dangers of pursuing and worshiping mammon. Look up mammon uh, at some point. If you're taking notes, write that down, mammon. You look up mammon, what that is. Pursuing and worshiping money without placing your priorities first in Christ, they're abundant. We have all kinds of, of warnings. Let me say this, though. I, I, I talked about Christian generosity just a second ago, and I want to say there's some important concepts unpacked in that scripture scripture that I read, um, faith, fairly general term, belief in God, right? We can all agree to that. Just before we go ahead, we want to make sure we understand the terms. Utterance, the utterance is the ability to instruct others. Knowledge, that's the Holy Spirit knowledge given the knowledge of God and truth. Diligence, readiness to discharge every duty. Love, meet the needs on the deepest level possible. Shaul or Paul talked about it all the time. You've got to be, you've got to be who wants to be? You ever know a crabby, crabby patty? I'll call him. I'm not using that name for any particular person. Um, but you all know a crabby patty that's just crabby all the time. They claim to be a Christian, but they're crabby. They're mad. They're unhappy. They're just crabby all the time. They don't smile. They don't laugh. They're not grateful. They're just unhappy. And you know what's crazy? A lot of times they have a lot. And then you know that other person that doesn't have much. They don't have much of nothing, but they're happy. You say, how you doing? Oh, man, if I, was, if I was any better than this, I'd be twins. My professor, I quote him, my, or actually the president of my seminary, Dr. Uh, Fry. If Dennis Fry ever gets in this area, I'll have him speak to this group. You'll never, he's just phenomenal, just phenomenal guy. And you say, Dr. Fry, how you doing? No better than second, no better than top notch. No point in being second best. Love. Love meets our needs. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't have much, but you had a whole lot of love? You know, when couples talk about, they reminisce when they first get married, they don't have anything. They say, we didn't have, we didn't have barely nothing, but boy, we had love. We had a whole lot of love. And you say, what happened to love? Well, as we got more stuff, we got less love. You sometimes forget what the important thing is. But there's a there's a more significant meaning there. Christian generosity. Generosity just isn't generosity. There's Christian. There's a delineation there. Christian generosity. Have you ever met a more generous bunch of folks? Christian generosity, that's... If you want to be a full-on Christian, a full-orbed Christian, you know what you have to be? You have to be generous. That has to be in your heart. Because generosity was given to us. What a generous gift. The empty cross, the empty tomb. What a generous gift we were given. No, we can't We can't uh, not be generous. We have to be generous because that's 
how we display our joy in the gift we've been given. And you know what? When generosity is missing from the Christian character, character is also incomplete. So what is the motivation of Christian generosity? Some of you might think this is funny. You'll notice that Shaul did not command to give. He used other motives. He said, I'm not going to force you to do what I can't persuade you to do. What's the government do? Right? We've got a guy running for president right now that says, I'm comfortable with a 90% tax rate on the rich. Do you know that man, other than uh, being the mayor, his first real job was being a mayor. He's never been able to keep a job prior to becoming the mayor of a small town where he's, you know, where he lived at the time. He ran for mayor. He was an abysmal failure. Guess what you do with abysmal failure politicians? We promote them. Let's move them up. Let's get them. Let's make him run for president. The man never kept a job. He's never written a paycheck ever in his life. He's a senator. Unbelievable. Wow. You've never written a paycheck? You've never had to write a budget? Well, let's make you president of the world. Let's make you the big boss. We, Well, you don't. We already have a president like that. That's for sure. We know that that model does not work, don't we? But Paul didn't command people to give. He said, he said, I'm not going to force you to give. I'm going to, if I can't persuade you to give, then I don't want you to give. He appeals to the heart, the conscience, and judgment. Believers are the most generous people on the earth. I've said it before. I'll say it 552 more times. Believers, true believers, are the most generous people on earth. The passage talks about by occasion of the forwardness of others. This is a reference to Macedonia, a trip to Macedonia, what was going on there. He reminds them of an example there. To prove the sincerity of your love. To prove the sincerity of your love. Love to whom? Love of whom? Love for whom? God. Yeshua Hamashiach. Shaul. Paul. The church. How about other people? People in general. Look, if you don't have love in your heart for those five, you don't have Jesus in your heart. You don't have Yeshua Hamashiach. You don't have the Christ in your heart. You haven't been redeemed. You haven't taken the gift that was freely offered to you. No, if you don't have love, you don't have anything. And you know what? When we love all five, that's Christian generosity. It's important to understand the term. Christian generosity. Samaritan's Purse. The most effective organization other than other than Salvation Army. The most effective organization for the betterment of society at its worst, Samaritan's Purse. Unbelievable. And they run on the donations. Most of their money comes from individuals. And then Christian business people. People that have love for other people. People who have generosity. People, whether they're giving a huge amount of money or a little tiny amount of money. We'll talk more about that in a second. But one thing I know for sure, if love is meeting needs at the deepest level, then generosity is necessarily involved. Look, you can have all the love that you want. But you know what? I think, this is just me talking here. This is the Sean Greener uh, edition of the Bible. I think the fact that so many people plan and think ahead, of what, what are we going to spend all afternoon in the kitchen making food, harvesting fruits and vegetables and making that great relish and going to the store and picking up the chickens, different ones, and making all the stews and whatnot. I think that's love. That's generosity. That's love and generosity. And when it involves food, I really like it. But generosity is necessarily involved. You've got to have it if you have love. The ultimate example of Christian generosity. For you know the grace of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich. It talks about that. That's his pre-incarnate state. He became poor. It speaks of his incarnation. That ye through his poverty might be made rich. That's the King James Version. That's why I said ye. That speaks of salvation. The ultimate generosity, the ultimate gift, the ultimate expression of love. The question is, does Yeshua want us rich? 
You know that big Powerball they just had? What was that? Billion dollars? One point two, one point five billion dollars. Three people won. Wow. Boy, that's a lot of money. A lot of people were lined up around the block, and they spent hundreds of dollars, money they didn't have, on tickets, hoping that they beat the odds. I ain't gonna lie, I bought me a ticket. There's a whole lot I could do with that money. Matthew six twenty four. There's a lot of pastors want to act like they wouldn't buy a ticket. That, that I'll, you look in their billfold, you see what's folded up in that billfold. I'll tell you right now, you're gonna find a ticket, and, uh, and then there'll be a receipt in there for a soda, a soda and a lottery ticket. Round the world peanut patty and RC cola. That's probably what they bought, and a lottery ticket. Matthew six twenty four. I'm, you can write these down. You don't have to write, you know, just so you have reference. But riches tend to become a master and to pull us away from Christ. Matthew six nineteen through twenty one. The simple commandment is don't lay up treasures. Matthew thirteen twenty two. Riches tend to be deceitful. They tell us things that aren't accurate or correct. How many rich people do you know? I know a lot of really rich people, and I'll tell you what: some of those really rich people are deeply disturbed. The reality is skewed. Why? Because people tell them things that simply aren't true, right? The people that are around rich people, you have a job, you make good money, your life is good because of this wealthy person. So you tell them whatever. Tell them whatever they want to hear. Just don't want them to be mad at you. Don't want them to cut off that job. Don't want them to cut off their generosity towards you. So you're willing to tell them just about anything. And we know people in the public eye like that that have been lied to their whole life as long as they've been rich. They tell us things that aren't aren't accurate, not correct. Matthew nineteen twenty one through twenty three. This is the story of the rich young ruler, and this talks about riches tend to intrude before Christ. Riches tend to make it hard to settle down kingdom issues. Mark eight through uh, thirty six through thirty seven. Riches can't be compared to spiritual things. Look, you can't look at. And I'm just going to say this just for fun. I, I poke fun at pulpit pimps, you know, and they're always wearing the three thousand dollar suits, and you know, it's just. It's so ridiculous. Um, and But there are a lot of people who have been very successful, very successful financially, and they haven't taken a dime from their churches in 20 years. Um, Ed Young, Jr. Ed Young, Jr. is a best-selling author. Every book he writes is... Ever heard, anybody ever hear him? Unbelievable. Well, you got to look his stuff up. He's, we've heard him preach, I think, once or twice. Really good guy. He's very supportive of my good friend, uh, Debbie Lee, and America's Mighty Warriors. He's just a good guy. And every book he's ever written, every DVD he's ever done, sold out. Bestseller. He hasn't taken salary from the church that he started in years and decades. In fact, he gives huge sums of money back to the church. And I'm sure even though he wore, he wears those fancy, fancy pants jeans, you know, the ones that are torn. I don't understand that, but... When I was a kid, you tore your jeans. Your mom got a patch, right? Remember those iron-on patches? Right? Mom, please put that on the inside. She goes, it doesn't work on the inside. you got to put it on the outside. You went to school. You hope nobody noticed that patch that was an entirely different color. Right? Super blue next to your faded jeans. Right? <laughs> Y'all know. But you know what? You, you, a lot of people will look at a pastor. There's a pastor down in Texas right now. He's a mega millionaire, and he's purporting to spread the gospel. But, boy, you listen to him for five seconds today, and you listen to him next week, and you listen to him a month from now, and you listen to him three years from now, and you go back and listen to his messages from three years ago. It's the same thing, and it's not a bit of truth to it. It's just pablum. It's milk for babies. You know, it's just milk. We need to eat meat. Riches can't be compared to spiritual things. Mark twelve, forty one through forty four. Christ commends her for giving all she had. You remember they the, this is the, the widow's might. The lady she's so poor. Right? And they're standing there watching the people come give their gifts. She's so poor, this woman. So poor she puts in this little and they say, some people, some Pharisaical people look at her and go, is that all you got? You know what? Today we would mock people for that. I, I've had the privilege of watching uh, different churches that I've been in and served in. Um, you know, sometimes you 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 get to see the people give what they give, 
Um, this one church I was I was at, we didn't pass an offering plate. Of course, we don't pass one here either, but uh, we had these boxes, these tall wooden boxes. And so they had this little slot in it. And you just, on your way out, if you're so moved, you just put your money or whatever in there. And I remember seeing the same lady over and over and over. She would take a dollar. She would take Now, some people would give a dollar because they think now they just made you rich and they can boss you around. They gave a dollar. Well, look, I give money. I, I pay your salary. You know all that stuff they give. You know those people. You know how they are. But this lady really didn't have very much. She was very poor. And every time she was in that church, she would take that and she'd stop at the box. And you'd see her bow her little head, not in a big deal, not showy, bow her little head and put it in. And I asked her one day, I said, I notice you pray every time you put your put your gift in. What are you praying, if you don't mind me asking? She said, I'm praying that God will multiply my little bit. Amen. That's somebody that understands, isn't it? That's somebody that understands. But today we'd mock her for that. No, not we, nobody in this room, but somebody would. Luke 6.24, woe to the rich, talks about. Luke 12.15, beware, because we're so limited on time, I, I don't have time to read the whole verse. Beware of greed. Luke 6.29-30, through 30, praise Christian generosity. Look, it's, it's super imperative to see that where God speaks of riches, is, it is inevitably, inextricably tied to generosity. He talks about wealth, he talks about generosity. Riches are tied to seeking his will for our lives and actions and then acting on it. Right? We have to do something. When we're seeking it, there's always something that we have to do. We have to step out, and, the, and generosity is almost always involved. Once our basic needs are met, riches are compounded to those who do what? Who pay it forward to those who are generous. They are blessed more. Second Corinthians 9, 6, the point of this is, is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Look, if you if you are a person who says, I'm going to hang on to this little bit, I didn't get what I have by giving it all away, some stupid church ministry thing, that's not how you get rich. You don't get rich by giving it away. No, you, you get rich by holding on to it. No, it's, it's blessings at the service of others, not at the sacrifice of others, as Jerome says. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Second Corinthians 9.10 He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Look, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous, to pay it forward. Something else you might find interesting. I thought this was interesting, and it was kind of off the, off the topic a little bit, but I thought it was fun and interesting. Acts 8.18 Then they, who are... Kepha and Yochanan, uh, Peter and John, laid their hands on them, Samaritan believers. This is where they were. Um, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, these are people that were uh, sick, you know, had whatever ailments, and so they, did, they laid hands on them. And um, Peter uh, and John were actually healing them. They were actually healing them of their afflictions, these Samaritan believers. And they received the Holy Spirit. They were praying that they would receive the Spirit. Boom, the Holy Spirit uh, came upon them. Powerful. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Remember this this guy, this shyster? Nobody knows what shyster is anymore, right? Kids, kids are like, what's he saying, Mom? Shyster. I don't know what that is. Shyster. I said it wrong. Shyster. He's such a shyster. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power. Also, anyone on whom lay my hands, I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Wow, he sounds like a nice guy. Wow, I will even pay for this blessing. But we know through other readings that he wasn't a nice guy. He wanted power. He was hungry for power. Also, so that anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit... But Kepha said to him, or Peter, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Simon was a magician in Samaria who would amaze the people for years. He was 
actually ended up being baptized by Philip. Isaiah 48:17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Luke 6:38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it will be measured back to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. God loves a cheerful giver, folks. He loves a cheerful giver. Whether you, and I'm going to make this point. Maybe I haven't made this point yet or enough. It doesn't matter how much you give. Generosity isn't a testament to, wow, you gave a lot compared to this guy over here. It's your heart, your sacrifice, the gift from your heart, the Christian generosity, the expression of love. When you give that way, that's powerful. That makes a difference. I know people in this room that don't just give their money. They say, well, I don't have a lot of money. They give their time. They're real good cooks. They cook stuff for people who are sick. Oh, that's somebody sick. Boom, it's meals for them. Some folks have a strong back. They say, oh, it snowed. Let me run over so-and-so's and shovel them out. That's generosity. Somebody's feeling and poorly. Let me call them up on the phone. My buddy in Ohio says it's given 100% of your heart. Amen. God can do more with the 10% than you can do with the other 90. Amen. That's some powerful stuff right there. Anyway, i got to hurry up. Proverbs 11, 24-25. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. Deuteronomy 8, 17. You know, when I was a kid, I could never say Deuteronomy. It's a hard name to say. I could never say it. I'm not going to say what I used to say it. Maybe next week. If you tune in next week, you'll hear how I massacred Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8.17. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this way. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Folks, do you understand what was just being said there? This guy's saying, hey, look at me, I'm rich. I've got a plane. I don't think they had planes back then. But I've got a plane, I've got... I've got fancy suits. I've got, see all these houses I have. Look at what I got. Clearly, God has blessed me. That's the fallacy we do a lot of times with a lot of these ministries where the folks are jetting around. Not that I'm totally against that because I know people that do that. Uh, they've been very successful and, they, and they're very good stewards of what God has given them. And they're doing amazing things. I'm not saying I'm up to everybody, but, but there's a lot of people say, well, how could he not be doing what God wants him to do? Look at how God has blessed he must, that's his fruit. That's the fruit of his, you know, you, you shall know him by their fruit, right? Not necessarily that fruit. This guy here says, my power and, and the might of my hand, my power and my hand have gotten me this wealth. What I did. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Man, doesn't get any clearer than that. Second Chronicles, Chronicles. You, all, you heard what I just, I just massacred that? That's the other one I massacred. There's like nine that I just massacred when I was a little kid. But I was cuter then, so people were like, oh, say it again. Say say that word again. Say that verse. Get, recite the verses for me. I love hearing him say it. And I'm thinking to myself, are you making fun of me? And they were like, no, 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 I'm not making fun of you. It's so, you're so cute. But, no. Anyway, this is what Hezekiah did through, throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord. His God and everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and the commands. He sought his God and he worked wholeheartedly. Your work sometimes is your generosity. Some folks don't have any money. But that 10%, but the work, they work hard. They give generous to their family, to their community. They work, they work so hard, wholeheartedly. And so he prospered. Look, the moment you're born again, you have Yeshua in your life. You're the richest person in the world. And when you have him in your life, his abundant supply is able to come your way now. But don't look for the blessings. Look to Yeshua. Don't look, well, where's Father? I I put my faith in you. Where's my money? I prefer 20s and 50s. He's the power to get wealth, and wealth isn't just money. Deuteronomy, see, I'm going to say it again, so one of these days I'm going to mess up. 8.18, the presence of the Son of the living God in your life attracts good things. Man, he's in your life. 
you're going to attract good things because of his grace toward us. Yeshua, though he was rich, was made poor at the cross for your sake so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Wow. At the cross, Yeshua was stripped of literally everything. Everything. He was naked. He was abandoned by God, literally and spiritually. You see, here's the difference. The difference between the plans of Yeshua and those of many of his followers is remarkable. He had no plan for becoming rich here on earth. And he always spoke with deep earnestness about the dangers of attending to such desires, such pursuits. Yeshua may or may not want you to be rich, but he surely wants you to be generous. That we know. That we know. You know, I want to say something um, that I think is, is totally, well, maybe it's related, maybe it's not, but I think it's important to say. Uh, I, I, I want to say, regardless of what you think about uh, Lavoie Finnicum and, and, and Ammond and Ryan Bundy, and, uh, the Hammond family, and all the others that were uh, arrested out in Oregon, Regardless of what you think, I, I, I do hesitate to say that because if you think that they're terrorists and they are evil, bad people and that they've somehow done wrong, what they did wasn't wrong. How they did it wasn't the most effective way. But I want to tell you something. The story, you listen to the interview tomorrow at 4 o'clock, you're going to hear a story of generous men. You want to know what they had every single day at that camp. They had communion, they had worship, and Lavoie Finnicum was their preacher. He preached every single day. They had prayer, one for another, every day. They asked what the needs were every day for each other. The, 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 the federal building that they talk about, that they took over, the armed federal building, it was a broken down bunkhouse that wasn't even used. Closed for the winter. What'd they do? They fixed it up. They fixed things. You walk in the thing now. I've seen pictures of it. You walk in it now, and you think that, I know the government didn't build anything like this. And while they were working, they were praying. You have been told, you've been sold a bill of goods, not only in America, but all around the world. These dumb, ignorant ranchers. They don't want to work, so they want to just take. They just want more land for free. They don't. They want to set fires and 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 get away with it. Well, you can't get away with it. You know what? If you if you go and you steal from the government and the people of America, you pay. And if you're that stupid, you get what's coming to you. There's a lot of people that think that, and sad to say, a lot of conservatives that think that. But we talk about generosity here. We talk about we've talked about Christian joy being coming out of your soul, coming out of who you are, just bursting out of who you are, your generosity, your kindness, and your love. And that's giving of wealth. But you know, there at this place, one other thing I want to tell you, I want you to listen tomorrow. There's many more things than this, but in fact, there's so much. I, two hours wasn't even enough. You know, those people were helping each other there were some people there that were there that didn't have any money. And they said, you know, we've, I've got to leave tomorrow. Well, we're sorry to see you go. We don't want to keep you here. But, uh, you know, do you have enough money to get home? Well, I've maxed out my credit cards, and i got about a half a tank of gas in my truck. So I don't think I can make it all the way back to my house. And they take up money, and they say, here. And they siphon, this fellow doesn't have a lot of gas, let's let's help them out. Let's siphon gas out of this person's truck or that person. And steal, they didn't steal a thing from the government. They didn't steal a thing from the American people. They demonstrated what it was like to believe in something so powerfully that they were willing to die for it. Tomorrow, uh, you're going to hear, and I'll just tell you now, that, uh, and this is important. This is an important fact that I think has just been so overshadowed. Lavoie Finnicum got out of that vehicle 
and ran away from the vehicle. He didn't know where these people were because they were all up in the woods. If you look at the video, which is, I'm not convinced that's a completely undoctored video. Far be it for me to think the government would ever doctor something. But the video, it goes up on the sides of the road. It's a huge snowbank. And then there's woods. You'll hear testimony tomorrow. How many vehicles were there? Federal vehicles were there. Law enforcement, snowmobiles, drones, aircraft, everything. There. And they started shooting at LaVoy Finnecombe's vehicle. And he stomped on the gas, and he drove into a snowbank, and he got out of the vehicle the quickest way he could and was running away from the vehicle to say, if you're going to shoot somebody, shoot me. Folks, I don't know of a more generous action, a more loving action than that. Ryan uh, Bundy had already been hit in the arm while in the vehicle. There wasn't a single weapon in that vehicle, folks. Well, the feds said, feds are liars. It's that simple. The feds are liars. It's not disputed. It's not anything. The feds are liars. They lied. Because all of the guns that belonged to those people in the vehicle were back, and we have photographs of them. We see them, each and every one. The gun LaVoy Finnecom carried all the time. Back at the bunkhouse. I said all that to say this. It's so important, folks, for you to understand. Generosity takes many different forms. When you're thinking about this, when you're mulling this over, think about these ranchers, these these American ranchers who've had everything taken from them and their family, unjustly. One rancher's had his life taken from him. And you think about the military folks that are out there now risking their lives. No greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for his brother. America, we've got to start getting smart here. We've got to get start getting generous with our time. We've got to start we've got to start applying and investing ourselves. You always hear me talk about the Center for Self Governance, and I know you must think I'm paid by them or they sponsor me. They don't. Nobody that works for Center for Self Governance receives pay. There's not a stipend. In fact, that we have a lot of needs. Projector bulbs for their projectors, uh, airline miles, hotel points, uh, rental car points, things like that. Credit, not credit cards, but those gift cards for gas. They're all paying for this out of their pockets, and they're not wealthy people, let me tell you. That's generosity. But we all, as a country, have to get serious. Because let me tell you something. If we don't love one another... You know why this division is happening? Everybody's yelling at each other, and well, you're this, you're a Trump guy, and you're you you stink, you're awful, your guy is horrible, uh, you're a Cruz guy, your guy is horrible. Um, you know all this stuff. Listen, folks, one of those people is going to be our nominee, most likely, and we're going to have to find a way. Fight hard for your guy, but find a way to be generous toward each other. Because you know what? Unfortunately, the government is our enemy. And at some point or another, we will all be faced with terrible, terrible choice. How much love have you for each other? Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www dot blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor and follow dr sean on twitter at the ninja pastor and on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash god in country radio and check out all the free messages archive shows and buy dr sean's critically acclaimed book excellence killed the church how mediocrity is destroying america at www drshawngreener.com Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.